the volume. Hey guys, welcome to the best of the sessions. What we have done is we've combined the best of Tuesday's episode and Thursday's episode, mashed them together to give you a beautiful little audio gift for your ear holes. We have some awesome, awesome guests on the show. Cannot thank people enough for taking the time to to come hang out with me. Give me a little bit of their time. We give you a little bit of that. We all get to hang out and enjoy it, learn a little bit about each other. Um, So it's really cool to mash these all together and you guys can get those little abbreviated highlights of both of the interviews throughout the week. Also, of course, if you want to listen to the full lengths, you can do that. They all exist. Uh, Just make sure to check out all things from the Volume Podcast Network. Like, subscribe, turn on those notifications, all that good stuff. But let's get into it. Here's the best of the sessions. Guys, here in the sessions, I am joined by Puyo Del Mar. You look just ravishing. How long does it take you to put this look together? Well, you know that you barely gave me any time to prepare for this. It's chapstick and mascara, Renee. That's all I got. That's me. That's me right now. I'm cha- I did put on a little baby lash for you, but I'm wearing a hat, so I don't really know who I thought I was proving something to by putting on a lash under the hat, but I put in an effort. You know what? The thing about you is that you are so radiant uh, to begin with. Uh, you really are. You are very radiant. I told you that on Twitter. I was like, oh my gosh. We all are aware of how like talented you are at everything you do. But I saw you recently on a broadcast of AEW Dynamite. And I don't know if it's because you get to work with your husband or you like the atmosphere or you're just doing what you love, but you were absolutely glorious. Oh, I don't know what it, you know, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, I just cut my hair all off. That makes me feel myself for sure. Chopping my hair off is like such a liberating moment for me. I feel like I cut it and I was like, oh, who wants to come get some bitches? Let's go. I think that little things like that. I mean, I'm very fortunate because I can literally have whatever hair I want today. Yes, you can. As could you, to be honest. (laughs) We all could. You just got to commit. But I know the wig game is no joke. I mean, they're very expensive, aren't they? I, I know there's like a wide variety from, you know, A to Z in terms of monetary value placed on these, but they can get very steep. Well, this one is a custom creation. I have uh, somebody that I go to for most of my customs. This one is a custom Bobby Friday production. That's one of my drag kids, somebody I love and adore. Oh, some, I feel like I've heard that name before, Bobby Friday. Do you do wigs for other people that I know? But one of the things I will tell you when you are kind of when you're a creation of an entire, it takes an entire team of people to pull together the vision that I have for myself. And one of the reasons I do not love sharing some of those super talented people that I work with is because next thing I know, all the people who are much more famous than I am or could ever aspire to be are going to that person. And there's like, Hey, remember me? I'm the one who like gave you your business sort of. No, you got to put that under lock and key, like lock it up, throw away the key. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to keep that close to the vest. I respect that. You know, you can't see it because I'm. it's underneath like my denim couture here, but I'm wearing like another custom creation that I wore last year at Effie's Big Gay Brunch is, is this custom Dallas Cowgirls cheerleader Ooh, outfit. Love. And I discovered this really amazing person to do my costuming and the very first time I wore one of their pieces at NWA I walk into the dressing room and I'm not even kidding like 
Mickey, Chelsea, and Allison <laughs> like swoop on me. Moths like, to a flame. It wasn't even five minutes later. They had were already DMing the person. And I was just like, you guys, like, you're much more famous. Give me a break. Like, you could buy something sort of off the rack. I'm a size, like, 18 in a very voluptuous way. You got to get it made. You got to get it made. We love a little, a little bodacious bod. Okay, this look, how long does it take you to put this together? I want, like, a full rundown. I love to take my time. For me, makeup is meditative. That was one of the biggest transformations in my personal career in, in on this journey because it went from being something that was necessary to something I love and I like to like sit and take my time and for something very important like this I spent almost three hours like I found that some of my best makeup looks are done in like really short period of time because it's just like got to get it done and if I allow myself too much time then I'll start to like pick it too much yes exactly do you feel exhausted by the end of it or does the meditative aspect of it pump you up? Yeah, the meditation allows me to sort of center. You know, I start to like get my thoughts and sometimes it's not even like it's not necessarily even quiet. Like right before we did this, I had to turn off some like murder shows. There's only two things in the whole world that I watch legitimately. It's pro wrestling and true crime. But for me, like it, it allows me to center and sort of and and not only that, but there is this as i'm physically beginning to transform i think mentally i start to transform too it's one of the reasons i do not love to have to do all of this like super early in the morning because i haven't even felt centered as a person yeah yet. yeah yeah and then all of a sudden i have to put that in, like compartmentalize it it's like oh god you gotta go away it takes a while to kind of like get into like even like from like a performance aspect to like mentally get to where you need to be sometimes you just you need a second it's not for all hours of the day and my, my experience with this, I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this for like almost 18 years, I think. And it's one of those things where like I can, I, so I was meticulous today with my makeup. Even though I liked the way it looked, it's not done until the lashes go on. It's not. No, no, no. No one's done until the lashes on. That's a fact. And then I look in the mirror and I was like, ooh, there she is. Ooh, you're a bad bitch, Mikoyo Del Mar. Ooh, you truly are the lovely Poyo Del Mar. <laughs> okay. You've been doing this for 18 years. I want to go to like the starting point and go through some of like the different transformations that you have made as a drag queen, how the drag community has changed in those 18 years. There's a ton to dissect there. Um, I would like to go to, to getting into the drag world. How did that sort of pique your interest? How did you, how'd you dip your toes? Interestingly enough, I think there's a, such a correlation between this and pro wrestling. Everything is pro wrestling. Everything is. Like I just put out stickers that are called, it says pro wrestling is drag. Because people, <laughs> yeah. Drag is about transformation and it doesn't matter if it's like male to female transformation or female to male or just, I mean, because if you look through my catalog of makeup, sometimes I'll do like aliens, you know, kind of cosplay type of stuff. But I've always been drawn to like the drama and the glamour of pro wrestling. So when I look back on the the people that inspired me in pro wrestling early on, and when I felt like as, as a younger person, I felt the door of entering pro wrestling was closed on me. And so I think Wait, I why saw did you a, think that it was closed on you? Because I grew up in an era where there were no obvious LGBTQ representation, where there was um, when the way LGBTQ plus people were presented was demoralizing or humiliating um, as the butt of jokes, things like that. So for me, 
I probably would have fully entered wrestling at the age of 18 when that opportunity first presented itself. But I felt so uncomfortable with myself. That was another part of it. It didn't matter what the outside world was telling me. I didn't feel comfortable with myself. And I specifically didn't feel good about who I was in relation to the world of professional wrestling, where I thought there was such a different expectation for who I had to be to be successful or to be accepted. It's so funny to think of that, too, because I think just as wrestling has changed in general over the course of the last 20 years and like, you know, even more so in the last 10 specifically. But I think for anybody, whether it's the LGBTQ plus community, whether you were just a smaller guy looking to break into the business, the way that we've had more indie wrestlers, the way that women's wrestling has changed, I think it's just gotten so much more inclusive. And it's so cool to see that people have so much more different representation to now see themselves as different characters on television and see those different opportunities because you're right it didn't exist before and i will point this out to renee that when we look back to for example the wwf which even in the when as a kid it was like the largest of the promotions that was out there before it was wwe when we looked at a great deal of minority representation in that company everybody played and it was was yeah yeah it was was also like it was part of the time because everybody was some kind of a stereotype everybody like had their their like form of employment as their gimmick like i'm a plumber (laughs) irs yeah but at the same time like many many of the people who were of any minority were represented as an absolute stereotype of that the low-hanging fruit always absolutely and and it was always used in some bizarre way to draw heat from the audience you know like yeah yeah we're gonna play to your absolute lowest common denominator of humanity and all of the horrible things you might think about people who are other than you the drag to me was like i'm theatrical i'm like you know and so that is was something that was i was drawn to and then little did i know that 10 years later it would circle me back into this world in a completely different way that i than i had ever imagined So your love of pro wrestling comes before your love of drag. My love of pro wrestling started when I was probably like seven. I didn't start doing drag for many, many years after that. But I would tell you that, interestingly enough, my earliest things that attracted me to pro wrestling were the people who basically were in drag, like Austin Idol and Ric Flair. Like all of these elaborate robes and the sparkles and the bedazzles. And I'm like, ooh. Give me some of that. Give me a little razzle dazzle. Have you always been San Francisco based? Do you grow up in San Francisco? I moved here when I was heartbroken after one of my first big love affairs. I've been here for over 20 years now. So this is really my home. This is where this came about. And it is where I have laid roots. I've actually lived here in San Francisco longer than I've lived anywhere else in the world. Where did you grow up, grow up like as a kid? I was born in Ohio. Oh, I didn't know you were in Ohio and where? Um, I was born in Van Wert, Ohio. Of course, you know, Cincy. So Cincy's at the bottom of the state. Cleveland's in the upper, you know, right hand. And then I was born in the upper left hand, if you're looking at this. Okay, got it. And I went to college in Cleveland. Oh, okay. I'm not just glamorous. I have two degrees. Wait, what are your degrees in? I'm broadcasting and political science. I was... (laughs) I went to college. This is, I've been talking about this a lot lately. And I think it's because people think when you look like this, that you're an idiot or something. I don't know. (laughs) But I went to college. I initially was a pre-law major with a broadcasting secondary degree. And I had been accepted into a master's and law program 
I was going to go on and become an I was going to get my master's in broadcast communication and my JD so that I could become. You could have been the new Judge Judy. I could have been Judge Draggy. So <laughs> I would watch that. I feel like there is a space for that to happen. I love that. Very niche, but I like it. I never got that degree, Renee, but trust me, I judge a lot still. Were you doing drag when you were in Ohio before you got to San Francisco? Never. I actually did wrestling in Ohio. There was a time on public access television where there was a program that broadcast in Cleveland that was called Masters of Mayhem. And it was a public access broadcast from a company called Great Lakes Wrestling Association. They had a, a guy there whose name was Psycho Mike. He was the big, you know, the promoter and booker. And they just had, it was so random because they just had a phone number like, you want to get involved? Call. <laughs> and I was in my dorm room and I called at 18 and uh, met with the guy and talked to him. And I did two gigs as a manager when I was like 19 years old. What was your gimmick? I was partnered with a guy that was called the Bounty Hunter and I was the Bail Bondsman. And the unfortunate thing, as I said, is I wasn't comfortable with myself in that environment. So I was so very young and I was put in this environment where, you know, one of the people I was working with, I don't know where they are now or if they're even alive because it was so long ago, but one of them was like profoundly um, dependent on alcohol, it seemed to be able to perform. And like we only did two shows together, but he was so intoxicated both times. It was very uncomfortable for me. I left that world for a few years, finished my degree. And with my broadcasting degree, I came back and I actually re, you know, joined that company and I became one of their broadcast colleagues. Okay. So you weren't doing drag in Ohio. What, what brought you to San Francisco? Well, you said the heartache. I just couldn't go out in like our small environment and run into this person who every time we saw each other, I just felt crushed. And I had visited California on my birthday in 1999 and I, came home and I just announced to my roommate like, yeah, I'm going to move to California. Literally six weeks later, I was like, all my belongings were being towed across the country. And I had an apartment that I rented sight unseen. I did something very similar when I was like, I'm just going to go to California. I had packed my bags. I bought a ticket. And somehow my, my mom was actually taking a flight to like Halifax to go visit my grandparents at the time. And the woman sitting next to her knew a friend of a friend that had a room that they were renting out. And I was like, great, I'll take that. And I just like packed up and I left. Doing shit on no notice is like the baller move, the way to do it. Just go and fucking do it. Don't overthink it. Much like the makeup. Let's not overthink it. Let's just fucking knock it out of the park. That's the way to do it. I mean, I'm not suggesting this for all things in life, and I know you aren't either, but you assess what's going on with you and you're like, what is actually keeping you yeah. here? Especially when you're young and you're figuring yourself out and the world's just so big. There's all these opportunities. Like, it's so fun to get outside of your comfort zone. You really kind of like test yourself to see what you're made of. It's very fun. I couldn't do that now. I'm too old to do that now, but. Also, when you're so young like that, like you really don't have those things like family, kids, you know, whatever. Worst case scenario, I just go back. And I like I told myself that, like, if I go and in six months, I still hate it. I'm just going to go back. And it took me like four months to not hate it here. All of a sudden, I was just like, you know what? I'm OK with this. And it's expensive. That's a little bit scary, too. It's far more expensive to be out there. I was sharing this huge house with a roommate in Cleveland. and. When I moved to San Francisco, my room that I was renting was more than the whole house was. I had to get a second job and it was like, you know, but I was young and I had a lot of energy and I could do that, I guess. I don't know. 
I want you to tell me about your first drag experience of like going to a drag bar or going to a show. Did you know what you were getting yourself into by like, like what kind of sparked the flame for you to ignite that like passion to go, Ooh, I want to dabble in this. My first drag shows ever were in Cleveland and it's a very small community there. People outside of our community, my community, I don't think always understand the delineation between drag and like being transgender or drag and sexual identity, gender identity, all things. And when I was growing up in the Midwest, drag was not exclusive to, but largely populated by people who were what I consider transgender showgirls. Like they were transgender and that was their form of employment because there were no other real opportunities for them besides things that were potentially nefarious or dangerous or illegal. So it was something I loved to watch, but it was something that I never thought was actually a real thing for me. And then I came to San Francisco and the the drag scene here was so much more eclectic. It was enormous in terms of the scope of different types of drag, the different opportunities to perform, the venues to perform. And one of the things that I, that really resonated with me when I first started is was super punk rock. Like you could just like be very David Bowie or you could be a little more androgynous with it. Yes. You know, so it was a situation that was a lot more embracing to me. And then as I progressed, my love and passion for it grew and my skills grew. Then I started to realize like, oh, I could do things that would make me appear much more feminine or, and it's not my, it's not my identity. You know what I mean? This isn't my identity. This is a character that I play that I love dearly. I feel very like, you know, connected to it because I've infused into this character so many people that I grew up admiring and loving and appreciating. Who are some of those people? Oh my gosh. Um, some people that I've infused into this character um, in general, Miss Piggy. <laughs> I love that. Yes. So Miss Piggy was definitely one. I think that some elements of inspiration I drew also from just pop culture, um, people like, like the character of Wonder Woman played by Linda Carter on television, Farrah Fawcett. These are all people that were to me just like iconic and legendary. Anna Nicole Smith is actually the basis for everything. Like in terms of my physical presentation, um, also a big part of the persona that I portray in the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, Dolly Parton. There's this funny story from Dolly Parton where she talks about how when she was growing up, she didn't realize it, but she came to idolize the town floozy, basically. And her mom said, um, Dolly, you know, stay away from her. That woman is nothing but trash. And Dolly says, all I saw was like, her glamorous hair, all her big makeup, the way her clothes looked. And I thought to myself right then, oh my God, that's what I want to be when I grow up. I want to be trash. So to me, I like, I remember there's this woman, God bless her. This woman, I'm calling her out now, a woman named Bernice, who was like the town floozy when I was growing up. <laughs> yes. Bernice does not sound like the name of somebody who would be super hot, but she was like the person that I thought should was too beautiful for our small town. She should be in Hollywood, you know? So there's a lot of that, but in the world of professional wrestling, you know, I've loved wrestling for so long that it truly influenced me. Baby doll, Nicola Roberts, who is, I'm so blessed to consider a friend and a mentor now and work with in the national wrestling Alliance on occasion, Missy Hyatt, dark journey. 
who recently reached out to me because I've been working with Bobby Fulton and Bobby Fulton and, and Dark Journey are very good friends. They've you know, been around the industry for years together and she's since left the industry, but he connected us and Dark Journey and Missy Hyatt's feuds throughout the South were everything to me. We move over to like WWF and there is nobody greater than Sherry Martel. And for me as a character, I want to be exactly what for the modern era sherry was to me like she was this chameleon and she could just morph from like whoever she was with that you know she would become the next person you know whether she was um by herself or whether she was with sean michaels ted dibiase macho man a harlem heat you know like she just was able to morph and change I wish she had like more of that in wrestling now like that really is a role that kind of doesn't exist that much anymore. Like I, I wish we had more of that because when you have someone that really can add and elevate an act, it makes such a huge difference. And we just, we don't, I don't know if it's just like so much value has been put on the wrestling aspect of things. We want these matches and these five-star matches and blah, 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 blah. But it's like, I love the characters too. And like being able to have like those interesting dynamics and what that adds to the storytelling to me, that's just like, Ooh, sweet spot stuff. Let's take a look historically because I agree with you so wholeheartedly. Do we, as a populace of wrestling fans, look back on wrestling history and talk about, Oh, I remember this match. It was so legendary. The match was so incredible. I was, yes, of course we do. But the number of matches that we look back on with that fondness, whether they were five-star or three-star in our mind, they won our hearts. Number of those matches as compared to characters who captivated and enthralled us, the characters outweigh the matches. And in this generation, one of the things I do unfortunately feel can be lost in translation is there are tons of people who are putting on potentially legendary matches. But when your entire card is filled with potentially legendary matches and they all start to sort of blur mentally one into the, the next, what will you take away? Like the characters that you love. Here we go. Athena joining me here on the sessions. It's really funny because as I was just getting ready to just interview with you, we have, I mean, obviously we see each other at TV all the time, but on camera, we have not done I don't think anything together. Yet, no, no, I don't think so. Not even a little bit. So I've not said Athena really out loud in a broadcast <laughs> until right now. And it's really funny when you know somebody as a, as one name and then they mm -hmm. go back to another name or have a new name or whatever it is. It's really hard to like retrain yourself to call somebody a different name. How do you feel if somebody ever calls you Ember? It's weird. Because like coming out of uh, being in L.A. all week, that's what most people know me by. That was my right. name for eight years, you know, and a lot of people don't know I was Athena 10 years before that yeah. and then coming back into it. So it's like, hi, please call me Athena. Thank you. It's just, <laughs> you know, that's that's not who I am anymore. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's weird, but I also know like exactly where they're coming from. Like I know the intent It's like, OK. WWE fan, what's up? <laughs> like, or hey, it's someone I knew from WWE. I just kind of know like where it's going to go. Where to like, it. where that placement comes from. Yeah, it's funny because like, I guess I sort of get a little bit like that as well. 
if somebody calls me Renee Young, it sort of like makes my hair stand on the back of my neck a little bit where I'm like, whoa, right. That was my name for a while. Nobody ever calls me that really anymore. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess it's more so when you like first start doing interviews. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like, it's just like, okay, I don't know what this reaction is going to be like. (laughs) I just, I just, mm, hi, what's going on? You know, you just have to take it with a grain of salt and be open for anything that is about to come out of this person's mouth, because it's either going to piss you off really quickly or it's going to make you like, oh, okay, it's not as bad. Or it's like a familiar face, you know, it's just it's just weird. It's weird. It's weird. But like, I guess because I took so much pride in that Ember Moon name, like it's not because of the name. It's just because I don't know what's about to come out of this person's (laughs) mouth. That's literally it. Because right. I, I was one of the few that got to pick my name. I, I take a lot of pride in that because I just want something that sounded different, weird out there, something you don't see. Ooh, what were some of the other ones that you had on like your little drawing board? Um, So it was Ember Moon, Ember Palmer, Ember Reese, like playing off my husband's name, my name. Yeah. But then it became like, I think it came down to the two names that got back. Like the final two was Ember Moon or Reese Palmer. Reese Palmer together is like actually like a great government name. (laughs) (laughs) I think they were like, oh, Reese Witherspoon, Reese Palmer works. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of where. Yeah. So those were the last two names I got to kind of pick from. And then I was like, we didn't really know where it was going and everything just kind of flowed together, like right as the first vignettes uh, happened, because honestly, I had no clue it was me in the first vignette at all. What do you mean? You know, like when you're when you're in the system, as we like to call it, the PC system or whatever like that, I just remember they were telling me, oh, this war goddess thing will never work. Just be something normal. And I was doing a whole different gimmick at the time. I don't want to say what, because who knows, it might pop up again. Ooh, um, okay, keep it in the back pocket. Yeah, Clark, keep it in the back pocket. Yeah. Um, so I, I just kind of ditched this like superhero vigilante style character um, and just kind of went into something else. And then like I just literally remember like being at home watching tv and seeing this like the stars aligned for the perfect moment i was like oh this is cool i wonder who this is and um i get to work the next day and they're like did you see it i'm like see what yeah i watched the next scene. it was great match blah 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 whatever the match was and they go no did you see it i go what are you talking about they're like those are your vignettes and i was like what i was like no that kid. didn't even look like me do i need to change what i'm doing yeah probably okay <laughs> so funny when you like think of like The begin like some people are in on like the entire process and then other times it's like you're kind of looped in on the back end. How confusing. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, this this is your new gimmick. Get ready. That was you. (laughs) Oh, oh, hey, you remember how we told you that wasn't? No, it is now. So have fun. Yeah. Yeah. Odds be in your favor. (laughs) For sure. For real. Honestly. Um, Okay, so we are coming up on almost your year anniversary with AEW coming up. So you debuted at Double or Nothing last year. Huge moment. Great to see you join AEW in the almost year that you have been in this company. How do you feel about things? It's wild. It's crazy. Like, I I think I actually have this like reflection a couple of days ago. Well, like the week before, just the chaos ensued of last week. Yeah, It was just like, I haven't even been here a year yet. This is just everything that I've accomplished. I feel like I've done so much since I've been with AEW, since I've been with Ring of Honor, that like, this is more than what I've done in like two, three years at WWE, I feel like, as far as character development, as far as like having these matches every single week, 
day in, day out, just being a little snarky asshole at times on TV, which I thoroughly <laughs> enjoy. And I'm Poor just Lexi, of- just always at the brunt of some bullshit. <laughs> you know what? If you came through to the cookout, Renee, maybe things would go different. <laughs> I avoid it. I'm, I'm not there. I'm not there for it. I feed Lexi to the wolves. Get it, girl. <laughs> Fair. But you know, like it's it's really cool to just kind of sit back and just like this week in just particular, because like I don't think I've had a week like this in my career, just like ever, just going from Emmy to Yuka, and now I'm going to Miyu. It's humbling it's exciting it's anxiety driven and it's just like I have a division on my shoulders and Mm -hmm. like just that pressure is on to deliver because I think a lot of people do want to see Ring of Honor fail I think they want to be the I told you so Tony I told you so guys you know and just the talent here is just not willing to let that happen so of course that pressure's on that not only we want to be in the conversation of a dynamite of a rampage of a raw of a smackdown but not only that we want to be above that so yeah. it's it's just like the entire locker room feels that way. And just going into it, we're just like, we got to do this. What are you doing? Hell yeah. You go and do it. You know, it, it, it's fine. It's awesome. What a funny dynamic. And like the way you said it is like everybody is waiting for it to fail and to think that way and feel that way. If that's like, you know, what you're seeing on, whether it's on your Twitter timeline or the conversations mm-hmm. that are being had or whatever. Like, what does it feel like to be a part of something like that and not really knowing like, okay, Tony Khan has purchased Ring of Honor. Now it's going to turn into whatever Mm -hmm. it's going to evolve into to you now being the Ring of Honor uh, Women's World Champion. Yeah, I guess just like that pressure to make something be successful. I know that you put a lot of thought into everything that you do in the ring, outside the ring. What are some of the things that you think about to help make Ring of Honor successful and to make this run as good as it can be? You know, I remember when I was on the Indies like 10 years ago, when I got the privilege to finally be selected for like a Ring of Honor tryout match. I just remember like how much hard work it put me that got me there, that put me in that position. And just knowing that I wasn't going to let that go, I wasn't going to take that for granted because at that time, very few women could be in Ring of Honor, if that makes sense. Like you had Sarah Del Rey, you had Daisy Hayes, Allison Danger, you had these women that it kind of put the foundation for that. And people were like, oh, that was awesome. We saw a women's match. And that was kind of the reaction. And if you go back and watch those matches uh, of like your Sarah Dorries, Daisy Hayes, Lacey, all of these women, cheerleader Melissa in there as well, mischief that like laid this foundation. You're like, how did I never know that this was a thing? Because these women were out there killing it way before we ever did. I mean, those are still so much of like the names that if you talk to female mm -hmm. wrestlers, those names will come up every time. Exactly. And just knowing that that's where the foundation was, seeing the journey of its ups and downs throughout the Ring of Honor Women's Division, because a lot of the times I don't want to say anything negative because there's nothing negative to say and I don't want it to be twisted that way. It's just like either there were women matches there or there weren't. Then you saw the resurgence of the Ring of Honor Women's Division with Deanna Perrazzo and that group there of like, okay, we're getting back to the core. We're getting back to what we know. And then in that transition of Tony buying it, it's like, okay, the foundation has been laid for years and years and years, even before I started wrestling. The foundation has been there to have that and wanting to elevate it, wanting it to evolve and make it mean something. That's kind of where my head is every step of the way. It's building up opponents, whether they win or lose. And honestly, I don't know what happens with me until I get to the arena day of, to be honest with you. And it's just going in and trying to make it every match feel like a big fight feel, making every opponent within Ring of Honor 
feel important so they can grasp onto. Like my goal as the bad guy is to be that monster that everyone hates, to be that person that you want to see get beat down. But at the end of the day, when I step up, it's like, you can't deny that, right? So yes. it's, it's, it's kind of going in and just saying, hey, what do we need to do to make this thrive? And I think as a locker room, we've all bunched together and we've said, we're not taking no for an answer and we're not going to let them shove us to the wayside. How different is the Ring of Honor locker room as opposed to the AEW locker room? Is there a different vibe between the two? I don't know, because it's weird for me because I frequent both. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I feel like... You got intel. You're like a double agent. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, we have the Ring of Honor division within the AEW division as well. Some of yeah. us work Dark, Dark Elevation, as well as doing Ring of Honor. So normally I'm double tapping every single Uh, Mm -hmm. week that I'm there doing something for Ring of Honor, doing something for Dark Elevation or Dark, whichever. It's all my show. I don't care. But (laughs) like, I I just think that we're so hungry. I I can see like the spark in their eyes of like, you'll see a sky blue come up and she's like, hey, Athena. Her wheels are always spinning, huh? Dude, how do you feel if I jump off this top rope, do this, 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 and I'm sitting here like, (laughs) girl, (laughs) Girl, that's that's insane. It's crazy. She's constantly trying to elevate and evolve and push herself. And it's something I really love about Sky. You have Queen Aminata who just like kicks some. I think she actually kicked Sky Blue's soul through a rope. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus, like if <laughs> me of all that. people, if me of all people are saying, oh, my God, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I I just feel like we're just hungry. We're hungry and dedicated to being the best right now. And I mean, like, you have your storylines on Dynamite Rampage, not taking anything away from those women there because they all bust their ass. They work hard as well. But like, we're trying to overshadow them. I know that 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 is exactly what we're trying to Amen. We want to make Ring of Honor the brand to watch within, I, I guess, the all elite brand, even though we're our own separate thing. Like, that's what we want you guys to do. We want you to watch. So we're going to go out there. We're going to sacrifice our bodies for the sake of entertainment and say, watch that follow that. Cause I know that's how we felt. Like when we had our tapings in Orlando, all the girls were like, follow that boys. What's up? <laughs> you know, and just, we went out there and we did it with a smile on our face. And I remember like just seeing all the women at the ring of honor taping, like just supporting each other, which I've never really had that. Um, since I've been at AEW, like as far as the locker room watching every single match, um, I feel at Ring of Honor, like I remember having this match with Willow, main eventing the entire taping, having to be there at 9 a.m. And like we went on super late in the night, I think like 10 p.m., 11 p.m. So this crowd had seen like 14 14 hours of wrestling by this point in time where it feels like an astronomical amount. And then just going out there, killing it getting everyone to stand on their feet me and willow walking to the back and the entire women's locker room was there just like hell yeah we killed it and that meant the world to me um because it's not something you see on a regular basis because of the travel schedules because you know you've been on the road you see it it's like all right y'all i see y'all on the tv y'all kill it love y'all and we're off to the next town you (laughs) know like love y'all and then you send the text girl killed it you know but it means a lot for people to just actually stay back and watch and like i try to do the same if i don't have to do anything but normally i choose to go after (laughs) the tapings uh if i have to film something just because like i know i can get the crowd i know that we can entertain them after they've seen that and they're going to get something different every single time 
Um, you talking about you and Willow being able to main event um, a night like that and, you know, coming off the heels of WrestleMania, being able to see what Bianca Belair has been able to do. I mean, even from her entrance onto the match that she had with Asuka, um, how do you feel about the representation for two black girls to go out and to be able to be the main event of a night like that and just a representation, whether it's in Ring of Honor or in AEW? I think it's really cool. Like I remember when I was on the Indies and it was just like there was one black woman per state, it seemed like. And it very much so seemed like, all right, we got our token black girl here. We're good, guys. And I remember going to other states and being like, oh, well, we booked you because you're really talented and you're African-American and we're looking to try to bring in more people from that. And that was a thing, yeah. you know, yeah. and it's not something I really liked but if it, hey, it paid the bills, whatever. But like over time, it was like, I went back and I started looking at wrestling and it was like, wow, what was my representation for our African-American culture when I was watching? It was Jacqueline, it was Shaz, you know? And that was about it, you know? Yeah, like there yeah. were a couple, like don't, dirty sheets, don't come at me. I know that there were more, <laughs> but like, that was, that was it. That was our representation yeah. at that time of like those top tier stars. So yeah. it's like you come back and you look at it. You see Bianca Belair, Mercedes Monet, nay, uh, Trinity. Sorry, Trinity. That's a new one. <laughs> Trinity, myself, um, Caden Carter. Like you see all of these women, Willow Nightingale, Trisha Dora, Queen Amanada. Like we are powerful. We are strong. And like we are not going to be like denied any longer. And it's yeah. not only it's not a marketing thing anymore. It's like, Hey, if you're good, you're good. And you deserve to be there. So when me and Willow got that opportunity, not only as like black women, but just as entertainers, like to go out there and show the world what we could do. Like yeah. it meant the world to me. Cause like at the end of the day, like I won the title and I didn't realize I was the first African-American woman to win the oh, ROH championship. I did not yeah. know that, yeah. you know? So like, that's even a cool moment of like, Oh man, that's crap. Like, like that's, <laughs> that's not crap but like it's awesome <laughs> sorry i haven't slept in three days y'all so y'all are getting the it's most been a long week it's it's been a, a week. week i got flight cancellations we got it just in time to come do this all right so y'all are gonna computer deal. updates on top of that everything computer. when it rains it pours always computer update cat coming in here in my sample court y'all are getting all of it today um so it's just it's like just long of the short it's just a really cool moment to have the opportunity to go out there and just share the ring with not someone um that I think gets that spotlight a lot of the time because I love Willow Nightingale like I remember being on the being in WWE seeing her come up and I was like who is this and she just always made me smile yeah. like just to my core and then like just being able to have a match with the storyline that like fed up fed up to it like i i just was like oh, yeah this is, this is awesome of that yeah um you fun. mentioned trinity who yes. i believe was front row at your match with yuka oh uh, was she i <laughs> yeah what, what's your reaction to to trinity first of all now being a free agent mm -hmm. but if she's kind of taking a little interest in what's going on uh in ring of honors specifically in your career um, I love Trin first off, like Trin, Trin and I, uh, didn't get to have a lot of interactions in WWE. It yeah, was always when, didn't. when like, it was, it was very funny. Cause I remember the first money in the bank, when we all found out we were the money in the bank, we like kind of paired up and we were like, Hey girl, what we do, <laughs> what we doing, you know? And then like in the rumble, like it, it's just weird. Like any type of multi-person situation, me and Trin always found each other, like the rumble, 
um, what was it? The uh, battle Royal, uh, the women's battle Royal for the mania show. Mm -hmm. Like we always just kind of found each other, but we never got to complete anything that we started. Um, So for her to come out and like one, like just, after I got released, she like stayed in touch, which is very important to me. Like we talk almost every day. We send each other terrible, funny Instagram videos <laughs> and and just like it's it's some it's someone that like I built a relationship with as a sister once I left. And I and I appreciate her so much because when we both found out we were in town, we were like, we got to see each other. We got to see each other. And I go, hey, girl, why don't you come watch the show? And I thought she was going to stay in the back. She goes, girl, I ain't staying in the back. I'm going front row. You know who I am. And I was like, okay. Uh. You know, and then like, it was really funny because like, I I was so happy to see her and stuff like that. And then like, I remember being post-match and I raised the belt up. I'm like, yeah. And I look at Trent and she's mean mugging me. I was like, hold up. Hold up. What's this? What's this? You know, um. It's funny because I I genuinely love her. I think she's extremely talented. Got the short end of the stick every single time. Oh my God, yes. And she's one of those people that I need that match with. I don't care if it's for uh, an indie show, someone's backyard, (laughs) which no, she won't do that for all y'all thinking that right now. Uh, Neither will I for (laughs) for that matter. But like, it's a cool moment to just like be able to get one step closer to what hopefully will be a dream match in my future. Um, I know we've just like, I don't know. I just, I want the best for her. That's at the end of the day, that's it. It doesn't matter if she comes after my ring of honor championship or not. I want the best for her. I want her to be happy. And whether she comes to ring of honor or goes elsewhere in the world, like I just want her to be happy and thrive wherever she goes. She has so much to offer. And I really feel like she's, you know, she really always has kind of been like that unsung hero. We all know how damn good she is, mm-hmm. how talented she is. And I just feel like that ball was never properly handed off to her to run with. I mean, you know, yeah. she had her championship run and we got to see a little bit of that. I got to see some of those little glimpses, but mm-hmm. I just feel like we only saw the tip of the iceberg of what we could get with somebody yeah. like Trin. And I think really seeing Trin unleash and seeing her just do her, be her, talk like her, put on matches that she wants to have, like, God, I would love to see. Yeah, her. I just I just want to see someone take that handcuffs off. Like, yes. you know what I mean? She's already got them off. Now, like, let's now see what? if she can fly. I want to see what she can do because this is coming from someone that shared a ring with her that's done a little bit of something here and there. Like, bar none i'm gonna tell y'all right now y'all ain't ready for trinity <laughs> y'all ain't ready for trinity you really aren't like <laughs> no no i agree i i and i'm i do agree with you as well like i just want like the best for her i want just whatever's gonna make her happy you know you kind of go through the the grind for as long as she has it's like what's gonna make your heart go pitter patter right now find that yeah Taste that like thing I, th- I think that's it. Like she has to find that like, yeah. and no one can say it for her. And I think she's getting to that point where she's trying to figure out what she wants to do. Yeah. Um, talk to me about your match with Yuka Sakazaki. Um, Cause damn, you guys tore it <laughs> up. Um, how are you feeling physically? I mean, to go through everything that you went through, like you said, it's been a long week. You just mm-hmm. got off the plane. Where, yeah. where are you feeling? Um, mentally and physically sore. <laughs> Um, like I got in last night, went and saw the Dungeons and Dragons movie because nerd nerd alert nerd and then forgot that I had a contractor coming to the house to do something this morning. That's why I'm all frazzled and chaosy. So I've just been 
going and going and going and going. And then tonight I have to go run a wrestling training session. Oh so like, so Girl, like, I, do, I don't yourself a moment. No, no. Like this is <laughs> like, people say that all the time, but when you care about something like I do, like, I care about this business, yeah. man. Like when, when we first come into it, they tell you, don't expect anything from this business. Don't take anything away from it. But like, this is my heart next to my husband and my cats. Like it's two hearts right there yeah. in my soul, wrestling, husband, cats. Like this is what I love. And I love this business. I love helping people within this business. And I just can't get enough. Like maybe it's punishment. Like I'll, I'll rest when I retire. I kind of feel that way, but like, yeah, this is, this is my life. And so coming off of, I requested to work in me. I got my match with Yuka. I'm getting my match with Miyu Yamashita, you know, like I'm trying to prove to the world, like everything that I didn't get to do in WWE, I didn't get those high profile matches. Like I had a few, don't get me wrong. I'm not taking that away, but I never got the matches that really elevated me as a character and a performer in the ring. And I've always been that type of person that's been about the match. That's been about the story of the match. What can we do? What's that crazy thing? Like, even since I've been on the Indies, like, and, and constantly now, like between all of this, I'm going to be watching so much film. (laughs) And we had the privilege of working uh, together before, but like, this is just what I do. Like I, I wouldn't be, who I am today without pro wrestling, I'd probably be some shy accountant or uh, like veterinarian somewhere in the world. I don't, I don't know, but like full gigs, but wrestling is in your blood, but wrestling, like it just like, it's in my soul. It's in my Mm -hmm. core. It's like, when I go to sleep, I'm like, Oh, I'm thinking about what's the next thing we're going to do. I wake up. I'm like, Oh, what jacket can I make for my next big entrance? Like, this is where my brain is 24 seven. Like even my husband knows he's like, you're just never not going to stop thinking about stuff. Are you? Cause we'll, we'll watch a TV show and I'll be like, Oh, that action scene was really cool. I wonder if we could go A, B, C, D, F, and now turn that into a wrestling situation. He's like, and he'll look at me in the theater. Like, could you just enjoy the fact that we're watching a rom-com right now and the guy just fell off a cliff or something? Like, could you just enjoy that? I don't understand how you turned it into wrestling. But like, this is just my passion. That's that's it. Thanks so much for hanging out with us, guys. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed the week, enjoyed the best of the sessions. You guys can hear the full-length interviews um, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Just uh, download them, give them a listen, give them a like, a review. And if you want to see what you're hearing, head on over to my YouTube page. Just search Renee Paquette. It's all up there. And you can see us talking, having this interview, having a hangout. It's all up on there. Um, And that's been like a really great, cool, growing community. So uh, I'm really enjoying the hangouts on the YouTube as well. So we can see you guys over there. And jump in the comment section, you know. Jump in, chime in, leave a comment. Uh, We like filtering through them all reading about them maybe even like i don't know some constructive criticism if you had it we're all ears god did i open up a can of worms by saying that i don't know be nice be cool in there this has been the sessions